Our text today is James chapter 4. It's only two verses. <clears throat> That's kind of like saying, we're going to go swimming today. It's only the ocean. And because we have had a very full day, I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm not going to try to rush through this text because we would not do the text justice if we did that. So let's begin. I'm going to read the text to you, but we're going to revisit it next week. And I think, I think it'll be good because we'll see in our text today in James chapter 4 verses 11 and 12 that James is looping back in things that he's already written to us in this letter that are very important. So James chapter 4 verses 11 and 12. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren, he who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? This is the word of the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the simplicity of your word. But we also thank you for the depth of your word. And Father, we need to be a people who know how to do both. Walk in the simplicity of your word, but also have a hunger and seek after the treasures you have hidden so deep within your word. Father, I pray that you would grant to us grace to be that people who would walk by faith and not by sight, who would trust in your word even as we hide your word in our hearts that we might not sin against you, and that we would see, Lord, that what you have given us in your word and by the indwelling of your spirit is something that we can never plumb the depths of because it is infinite. But may we have a hunger and a thirst to consume your word and thereby your word change us and transform us into the very image of the Son of glory, the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask this, Father, that you would be glorified in our lives and in your church. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, before we go, uh, we're going we're gonna to go into this text uh, next week. I want to wait because it's already almost noon. And I could keep you here till 1 o'clock if you want me to, but, uh, but I don't think you want me to do that. And I don't want to rush through the text. So what I'd like to do is kind of take this opportunity to kind of review where we've been in the book of James. So James, remember, is a short letter. Remember, we call it a book. 
So your Bible is made up of 66 books. There's 39 in the Old Testament. There's 27 in the New Testament. We call them books, and that's what they are. The book of James, or the proper title, if you go to your Bible, your Bible probably says the epistle of James. That's actually the title. An epistle is just a, it's a big word that means letter. So remember, James is writing a letter to the church. I know it's hard to believe for some of you, but they didn't have social media back in that day, and so they couldn't just send an email, or they couldn't just make a social media post that was instantly accessible They actually had to do it the old-fashioned way. They had to get not even pen and paper because there was no such thing as paper back then. They had to get pen and papyrus or pen and vellum. So they wrote on animal skins or papyrus scrolls. And it's hard for us to imagine because how many of you can count the number of books you have in your house. I mean, even if you're not an avid reader, you probably have more books in your house than you can count, or at least you can think of off the top of your head. It wasn't always like that in the history of humanity. Books were not easily and readily accessible. The Scriptures as we know it I mean, here I have a nice leather-bound Bible with all 66 books here at my fingertips. I also have this thing here that has not just the 66 books found in this particular translation, which is the New King James, but on my computer I have hundreds of translations. I even have on my computer the original languages. In... Volumes of commentaries. And what I'm saying is, we are a blessed people because God has multiplied His Word and He has has sown it across time, across history, into the very time and age that we live in where we have more Bibles probably in our house than we'll ever read, more books than we probably will ever read. There's not a shortage of of information. There's not a shortage of truth. And you know what? When James wrote his letter, his epistle, his little book here, do you know there was not a shortage of truth then either? Now, I'm not saying everyone had the same access to it, but there was no shortage of truth. We have much more access to the truth today, to the Word of God today, and countless tools that can help us read and study and understand His Word, but those tools do us no good if we don't employ them. I mean, if you were going to go out and dig a hole, And you went out to use your bare hands to dig a hole. 
And someone walked up and said, hey, what are you doing? And you said, well, I'm digging a hole. Why are you using your hands? Well, because God gave me hands to dig with. Yeah, but you've got a bunch of shovels over there. Why don't you use a shovel? You've got a, you've got a machine sitting over there with a backhoe. Why don't, why don't you use that to dig with? You see what I mean? Men didn't always have backhoes, but we do now. Men didn't always have volumes and volumes of truth, but we do now. So what are we doing with the tools that God has given us? What are we doing with the truth that God has made so abundantly available to us? So in this little letter here that James is writing, we see recurring themes. For instance, verse 11 begins with, do not speak evil of one another, brethren. Does that remind you of something that James said earlier in his letter? when he talked about bridling our tongue. Remember when he said, the man who can bridle his tongue is a man who can bridle his whole body. And he goes on and he also says this, Remember in chapter 1, verse 19, he says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Then in verse 25 of chapter 1, he says, But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. And then in verse 26, he says, If anyone, chapter 1, verse 26, If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Anyone who thinks he is religious, who thinks he is properly serving and worshiping God, because he's doing the right things. I bow when I'm supposed to bow. I confess when I'm supposed to confess. I sing when I'm supposed to sing. I go through the motions outwardly, but what's happening inside here? And he says, if you think you're religious, but you don't bridle your tongue, your religion is useless. Well, why is that? Because if I profess to be religious... I'm doing one thing, but saying another, there's a, there's a disconnection there, isn't it? So I could be saying the right things and doing the wrong things, or I could be saying the wrong things and going through the motions and it appear to be the right things. Either way I go, there's a disconnect there. So when we come here to verse 11 of chapter 4, James brings us back to this idea of the tongue, of speaking. Do not speak evil of one another. 
It's a reminder again that we are to bridle our tongue. And again, notice here in chapter 4, verse 11, he uses this word brethren again. He starts out his letter. Remember, he says, James, in the very beginning of this letter, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, my brethren, greetings, my brethren. Remember, James is writing to the church. So he says, church, brothers and sisters, do not speak evil of one another. Have you noticed we live in a culture today that thinks nothing of speaking evil of one another? In fact, we delight in it. Do you know that's what sells news? That's what gets views? That's what gets followers? The more salacious, the more juicy, the more controversial it is, the more people want to know. Why are we drawn to that? I did a, an unfortunate debriefing this week. And it was the death of a, of a young child. It wasn't in this community. It was in another community. And I do, I do debriefings with uh, first responders, emergency responders. And so when they have a traumatic incident, uh, I will go with a team and we will debrief these first responders who have to respond to horrendous um, events. And the most horrendous events for first responders involves the death of a child, and this happened to involve the tragic death of a young child. And do you know what was, what was across the board, this was a pretty big debriefing, and across the board, these first responders, and, and there were first responders from all the different services there, across the board, these first responders, one of the most upsetting things for them was the number of people who were on this scene because it, was, it, was, it just it happened out in the open and there was nothing they could do about it, was the number of people on the scene, around the scene, who had their cell phones out videotaping, videotaping, who were breaking their necks, straining to videotape everything that happened. Not just one, not just two, but lots of people. Why? Because for some odd reason, it's not really odd, it's, it's our sin nature. Because of our sin nature, we're drawn to things like that. I know not everybody is. But there's a reason why those videos get so many views. There's a reason why people post the most evil, wicked, inappropriate things on the internet, and there are millions and millions and millions of people out there who look for that content to consume that content. This goes back to what James is talking about here. 
our propensity to speak evil of one another is a sinful propensity. Our desire for those types of things is inappropriate, and James says so in his letter here. And so this is why James says, bridle your tongue. Because if you can bridle your tongue, you can bridle your whole body. If you can bridle your tongue and not go just share everything you see and everything you hear, or go and gossip about everybody else's faults, or whatever personal problem you might have with someone that you're not causing that to spill over to other people by the things you say and the things you do. Because we are brethren. I mean, it's inappropriate to do it with those who are not brethren, but, but remember, James is writing to the church, and he says, brothers and sisters, this is inappropriate. And if there is an entity in the earth today that should show the world a better way, it should be the church. Would you agree? The church should show the world a better way. We are to speak the truth in love, and we're going to talk about this next week. And I really hope you come back because it's a very important topic. We need to be willing to speak the truth in love, and that doesn't mean we never offend people. If you love Jesus with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and you seek to live to honor Jesus with your life, that means you're going to have to say certain things and you're going to have to do certain things, and you will offend people by doing and saying those certain things consistent with who Jesus is. But that is vastly different than what James is talking about here when he talks about speaking evil or slanderously about someone. And, and most importantly, as brethren. As brethren. Now, this is why Paul warns parents, parents don't provoke your children to wrath. Even as we baptize children here today, some older, some younger, we say those baptized children become members of the body of Christ and we should count them as brothers and sisters. That means that, parents, you don't get a pass just because they're your children. And it doesn't mean it's appropriate for you to talk to them any way you want or treat them any way you want because they have to obey you because they're your children. They're also, as baptized members of the bodies, our brothers and our sisters. And this is why Paul says to fathers, fathers, don't provoke your children under wrath. There's a way you can speak to your children that is evil. There's a way, fathers, you can speak to your children that's absolutely righteous and good, and it may be uncomfortable, and even your children may dislike what you have to say, but it's appropriate. But there's also that way we can speak that's inappropriate. So we're going to look at that next week. What does it mean to not speak evil of one another? Paul says, when you do that, you judge your brother and you speak evil of the law and you judge the law. We're going to talk about what, what does it mean to judge your brother 
and what does it not mean. And this is a very relevant topic in our culture today. Because you've all heard it, you can't judge me, only God can judge me. And there is some truth to that, but there's also a great deal of untruth wrapped up in that statement. So we want to unpack that and understand what it means to judge rightly, but also to judge wickedly and sinfully. And to put ourselves in a position where we are now judges of our brother and judges of the law. That's inappropriate. That's wicked. So we're going to look at that next week, and we're going to unpack these two verses so that we can be better equipped to speak the truth in love, to live out the truth, to walk out the truth in a way in which we are our brother's keeper in a right, in a good, in a glorious way understanding there's also a wrong, inglorious, and sinful way we can attempt to be our brother's keeper. We want to do it the right way. We want to do it in a way that brings glory to God and edifies his church because that's what we're called to do. We're called to build up the body of Christ in love. Amen? All right, let's prepare to come to the Lord's table today. Next week... We'll count that as our introduction, and we'll dive into James chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. As you prepare to come to the Lord's table, remember this is a table of thanksgiving. It's also a table of love. We celebrate the body, and we celebrate the blood of Jesus The body that was given for us on the cross and the blood that was poured out for us to take away our sin. As you trust in Jesus, you are welcome to this table as a baptized member of Christ's body. Whether you were baptized in this church or another, if you count yourself a member of Christ's body, Christian, Welcome to the Lord's table. We will all eat and drink together. Please stand. Remember the proverb. In the tongue is the power of life and death. And those who love it shall eat the fruit of it. God spoke and the worlds were brought into existence. God has given us his word and he has given to us authority to speak. And he has given us authority to speak his word. Our speaking, our speech, our very tongue is to bring life, not death. May we as the body of Christ speak with the authority of Christ. And may our speaking be words of life to even bring from death to life, those who are trapped in their sin and in their death. May we be a people speaking the life of the gospel to a world trapped in death, and darkness, and sin. And may we be a people, a church, who speaks life to one another 
building up one another, building up the body in love, even as Jesus has commanded us to. Amen? Let's sing our thanks to God. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he go with you and be your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord be with you.